0: This is Revelation chapter 8, verses 6 through 13. Now the angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up. And all green grass was burned up. a third of the waters became wormwood. And many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice, as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven with a text is challenging. As today's, I am reminded that I am dust I am reminded that we are dust. And so today I ask that you would have compassion on us. Be with us now by your spirit. Show us your son, Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. Well, if you're a fan of film, I'm sure at one time or another, uh, you've asked yourself after watching a film, I think I followed the story of that film. But I also sense that there's a story beneath the story. My favorite example of this is in the film, O Brother Where Art Thou, where at the surface level you have a story about three convicts who've escaped a chain gang and are now chasing after a $1.2 million treasure. Then beneath that story is another story. That is, in O Brother Where Art Thou, it's actually a retelling of Homer's Odyssey. And then even further down, you see that, O Brother, Where Art Thou, is a story about a man who went from spiritual death into spiritual life. And within this story, we see uh, themes of sin, grace, redemption, resurrection, and judgment. Well, in the same way that, O Brother, Where Art Thou, is a story within a story, the book of Revelation is a vision informed by biblical and Old Testament images which correspond to events which are happening during the time of the first century. And so, Revelation is one of those books where we regularly have to ask ourselves, where are we right now? Well, if you've ever opened a letter with young kids around, uh, one thing you may be familiar with is the question, what does it say, what does the letter say? That's where we are right now. See, in chapter five, we saw in the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne a scroll. And that scroll seems to be pretty important because John ends up weeping because no one is able to open the scroll. That, that is until we hear the words, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scrolls and its seven seals. We see that the Lamb is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals and he does. That's what chapter six through uh, eight verse five were about, the opening of the seven seals. Now we arrive at today's text where if you're like me, you're asking, well, what does it say? What does the scroll say? We've opened the seals. Now can we please read the scroll? Well, we've not arrived there just yet. Uh, We don't yet see what's inside the scroll. Instead, We're at the first four of seven trumpets. And if you're like me when I first read this passage, you're wondering what in the world is this passage about? You know, brother, where art thou? I asked the question, what is this really about? And so also with this text. With the blowing of the first trumpet, we see hail and fire mixed with blood thrown down upon the earth, resulting in a third of the trees, the earth, the green grass being burned up. With the blowing of the second trumpet, we see something like a great mountain burning with fire. With the blowing of the third trumpet, we see a great star fall from heaven, and this star is called Wormwood. With the blowing of the fourth trumpet, we see a third of the sun, moon, and stars struck, and and a third of the light is taken away. But what is this story really about? Here's what Revelation 8 6 through 13 is about. The blowing of the first four trumpets is the beginning of a vision of Christ's dismantling of the powers of this world, the building of a holy city through the blood of the martyrs. Therefore, We must endure. I'll say it again. The blowing of the first four trumpets is the beginning of a vision of Christ's dismantling of the powers of this world, the building of a holy city through the blood of the martyrs. Therefore, we must endure. The first trumpet. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire, mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Back in chapter 6, we saw the martyrs cry out to God. In the fifth seal, they said this, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And then God told them to rest a little while longer. And then last week, we saw in the seventh seal, we saw the Prayers of the saints rise with the smoke of the incense, which is the Spirit's intercession. And following this, we see fire from the altar thrown down on the earth along with peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. And then we arrive at the first trumpet. And I think that there's several Old uh, Testament passages which inform uh, how we interpret the plagues of these trumpets but I'll focus on one specifically. Uh, If you remember in the Exodus story, we read of 10 plagues, right? And in the seventh plague, uh, Aaron and Moses go before Pharaoh and they once again tell Pharaoh to let their people go, let God's people go. Yet time and time again, Pharaoh responds with some word to the effect of, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go. Well, in response to this, God sends hail and fire upon the Egyptian lands. Yet this plague does not affect everyone, only the Egyptians who did not heed God's warning. You see God spared his people who were in Egypt from the judgments which fell upon the Egyptian lands. Yet those in Egypt who did not hear the hear the Lord's warning were killed. Moreover, Exodus 9 speaks of the plague in this way. It says, the hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. I think that this helps us understand what it means when it says the earth, the trees, and the green grass were all burned up the burning up of the earth, trees, and grass are an apocalyptic metaphor for what God has done and what he will do to those who oppress and enslave his people. This is even more clear when we see that it's not just hail and fire that are thrown down in the first trumpet. Rather, it's hail and fire fire mixed with blood. This blood is the blood of the martyrs. Have you ever heard that quote from Tertullian? The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Have you ever wondered what that quote means? One commentator puts it this way. When the lamb lamb first begins opening the seals, we expect to see the kingdom come because the lamb is worthy to receive all honor and glory and dominion. Because the lamb was invested as king, what more could the world need? To the agenda of bringing in the kingdom has been added the agenda of making more martyrs in order to vindicate the martyrs. That's the uh, fifth seal. We will see the kingdom come. We will see the beast and harlot of Babylon replaced by a holy city. But the path to that eventual outcome runs through a graveyard of martyrs. You see, most kingdoms expand by military or economic might until one of those things runs out. But you see, Christ's kingdom is not this way. In his kingdom, victory comes through suffering. And how do you stop a kingdom which spreads through suffering? Friends, the mystery of the gospel is that uh, the victory over sin, death, and Satan was achieved by Jesus Christ bringing himself low to the point of dying on a cross. And there's this sense in which being brought low even in some cases to the point of death, is part of the expansion of God's kingdom. The second trumpet. The second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. When the first angel blew his trumpet... Hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown upon the earth, and one-third of the earth and trees and grass were all burned up. With the blowing of the second trumpet, we see another set of apocalyptic events happen. First, we see that verse 8 says that something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And then I'll just point out, you'll you'll observe or you'll notice it, it says something like a great mountain. Right, and this, I think, is John's way of reminding us that, hey, this is an apocalyptic vision. And so when we see described something like a great mountain, we should pause to consider what these images might mean. But what is this great mountain burning with fire? Well, once again, uh, we need to go back to the Old Testament. I want you to think of, of other times in the Old Testament where you th- uh, see a burning mountain I think that this burning mountain seems to refer to Mount Sinai. In fact, I'll read a portion of Exodus 19 for us, and while I do, I want you to keep verses 5 through 9 of chapter uh, 8 of Revelation in the back of your mind. Here's Exodus 19, uh, beginning with verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightning, and a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Does that sound familiar? Bear with me because there's more to digest here. What this vision is referring to is, is the people which God made a covenant with at Mount Sinai. And then expounding on the people of this covenant, Paul speaks of, those in slavery to the law in Galatians 4. Here's what he says. And again, we're going to bring it all together as we go on. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman, but the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically, These women are two covenants, one from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. I'll summarize these two passages and how they relate to Revelation chapter 8 in this way. The burning mountain in Revelation chapter 8 refers to those within Israel who received the law at Mount Sinai, yet instead of trusting the promises of God to send the Messiah, they, they, along with the Gentiles, hung him on a cross. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. What does it mean when John says, Uh, that this great mountain was thrown into the sea. And one commentator, I think, helpfully observes that in the Old Testament, the sea represents the Gentiles, especially in light of, uh, in Christ's time, uh, the Roman dominance of the Mediterranean. A third of the sea became blood. This vision is again an allusion to the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 1, the pharaoh commands that every Hebrew boy must be thrown into the Nile. Later in Exodus, we see the first plague in response to that. The first plague is the Nile being turned into a river of blood. The Nile being turned into a river of blood made visible to the Hebrews what they already knew to be true. That is, the Nile being turned to blood is evidence that the Egyptians defiled Denial with innocent Jewish blood. So let's synthesize these two images. What does the blowing of the second trumpet mean? And again, leaning on a commentator, uh, Jew and Gentile together put Jesus on the cross, but the Jews take the lead. Many among the Jewish elites hate Jesus and try to condemn him using the Torah. To accomplish their purposes, they enlist the Roman authorities, they manipulate and intimidate Pilate, into acting against Jesus. The second trumpet indicates that Jesus' suffering is recapitulated in the suffering of the church. What happens to Jesus again happens to the saints. The Sinai Jews defile the Gentile sea, inciting multiple pilots against the followers of Jesus and turning the unholy city into a sea of innocent blood, a cursed Egypt. But the second trumpet is also an assurance, it will not work. Fish cannot live in a sea of blood and ships of state run aground or sink when they try to stamp out the church. Cultures and civilizations collapse when they spill martyr blood and ultimately there is hope for the sea because eventually another Edenic river, like Ezekiel's, will flow from the temple to give life to the nations. Friends, here's the takeaway for the second trumpet. The powers of this world have in the past and will continue to persecute the church, yet the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The message to believers in in the second trumpet is to endure because it is through your Christ-imitating endurance that there is any hope for both Jew and Gentile. Because it is through enduring proclamation that the gospel continues to go forth. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The third trumpet. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. Finally, with the third star, we see a fiery star fall from heaven and crash into a third of the rivers and on springs of water. Wormwood, if you don't know, is a bitter herb often used, or it used to be used to make absinthe. Typically in Old Testament literature, stars symbolize uh, a ruler or a powerful individual Some have speculated who this Wormwood star might represent in today's text, yet regardless of who it referred to in history, the story beneath the story, it also anticipates the devil, who is thrown down later in chapter says, who it says concerning this, the saints have conquered by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Again, back to the Old Testament, Wormwood is used in Deuteronomy chapter 29 to describe idolaters who turn from the worship of God to idolatry. Moreover, in Jeremiah, this idolatry leads to the worship of the temple itself. And so the temple of life that is supposed to be available to the nations becomes a source of death. Like the synagogue, the temple becomes a habitation of demons. And friends, this is precisely what happened in the first century. Instead of receiving the Messiah who was sent uh, to them, they, along with the Romans, crucified him. And again, instead of receiving the messengers who Jesus sent, they put them to the sword. Lest we be too hard on first century Jews, let's not forget who we are apart from Christ, right? Uh, Even this week, I was reminded how quickly my heart can move towards envy. Friends, envy is a dangerous, dangerous sin. I think this trumpet also serves as a warning for us. First, let us be a church that seeks to proclaim the good news, not contaminate it. Second, Let's continue to work for the purity and peace of the church. I was reminded of the importance of this uh, with the new child protection policy that has recently been put together. Right, This, this uh, policy is a good thing for at least two reasons. First, uh, it exists to protect children, those who the church is meant to protect. Second, because it puts us on guard against all sorts of evil. And so let's be vigilant. The fourth trumpet. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, woe, 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 to those who dwell on the earth, at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Following the blowing of the fourth trumpet, we see in John's vision a third of the sun struck, a third of the moon struck, and a third of the stars struck, and this results in a third of the light being darkened. This is not the first time in the book of Revelation we've heard of the light being darkened. In the opening of the sixth seal, Uh, we see the sun become black as sackcloth. Yet, it has been said in the case of the fourth trumpet that this judgment is not total. Only one-third of the sun, moon, and stars are blotted out. It is not total, but it is carried carried out without interruption, a sign that there will soon be no more time. Friends, I know in this day and age, it can be hard to hear about the judgment of God and still believe that he's good. Yet, if you are afflicted today, know that God is working to make all things right, even through judgment. Well, I know we have some people here who work in construction, and back when I was in college, uh, I used to help this contractor clean out old houses Uh, Usually, they were hoarders' houses, and so they were pretty, uh, they were in a bad state. Uh, And of course, um, before he could even think about laying a foundation for a new house or framing the new house, uh, there was a really important step. Before you can build a new house, you have to tear down the old house. So, also with today's text, Jesus Christ tore down the old city of sin, death, and Satan at the cross. Yet, in his ascension, we see him beginning his reign over a new city. And so until that day that this city reaches completion, we wait and we endure. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we know that apart from your spirit, our hearts and minds are unable to see you. We praise you this day knowing that you are a God who hears and responds to the cries of his saints. In Jesus' name.